The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We've had a slew of ugly early spring training injuries. We've had a number of big drafts in our books now, including labor last week. TGFBI, a.k.a. Yogurt, has started. Uh, and there was a Beach F. Erickson draft yesterday. Hold that and more with the man in front of the doorknob, Franziki, coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, a ton of injuries, so we'll uh, break all of those down. we got some drafts to discuss. Uh, it is a fun time uh, right now. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that, except for the injuries, Fred. Some nasty stuff there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this, is, this is the reality check week, right? Like, we just started drafting, like you said, uh, things like labor, um last week and now tgfbi is drafting and you know you, you do those early drafts and a lot of people have done some draft champions and you picture your team all working out i feel like this is the week in spring training every year where the first injuries start to happen and you remember oh yeah there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road on my way to potentially winning a title yeah that's right and uh you know i i point case in point fsga league I have got, uh, we're doing, we, we did 12 uh, rounds in Vegas last week, and then it became a mega, mega, mega slow draft. It picked up, of course, yesterday. They started emailing everybody the picks. Unfortunately, I had just taken Gavin Lux before the injury. Um, so that was a brutal one. Yeah, I mean, the Gavin Lux injury, like, I don't think that's, to be honest, like, I don't think it's a killer to, you know, any teams that, have Gavin Lux already like sorry what did you mention what round was it in well like like 18 17 yeah like like you're losing your round 18 16 whatever pick for the year like it sucks but like by the time we get to opening day everyone's gonna have a couple players on the IL maybe more um I like I like it's not a killer it's a it's like a buzz kill for sure early in the year 16 Um, by the way I I had to look so it's a little 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 killer but not as buzzfully yeah. as it could have been for sure. But yeah. I just, I had to immediately get another middle infielder. He was going to be my middle infielder. I'd kind of waited on that. I had a second and short early and then I yeah. waited to fill middle infield. So then immediately after that, I went and got Brendan Donovan the next round, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, okay, now I'm just spreading sunshine where it doesn't belong, but one of the things about the Gavin Lux injury 
is at least you know what it is. It's out of the way. It's over with. You move on, right? We the the injuries that I find hamper us the most during the season are the ones where, oh, Gavin Lux is out for six weeks. Oh, wait, now it's going to be ten weeks. Oh, wait, now they're not sure if he's going to be back till the All Star break. Like at least you know now you can pivot. Even if you're someone who's drafted Gavin Lux and your draft is over, um, so you don't have the ability still within the draft to to pick up another middle infielder. Um, at least you know. I don't have Gavin Lux all season. It's time to figure out another plan. So, yeah. Right. That, like I said, that's me spreading sunshine where maybe it doesn't belong. Well, yeah. And, you know, the the availability, I mean, we're going to have to draft back up middle anyhow, usually yep. on reserves. Yep. I like to have, like, all three covered, like uh, an in middle corner and an outfield covered and then have four mm-hmm. pitchers on reserve. Now mm-hmm. I'll just get another. I, I know I'll get a middle and maybe get another middle. It's like when I drafted Tatis in the main last year and I was like, well, I better get another one and maybe another one after that. Boy, wasn't that fun, by the way, to brag about being the last to take Tatis in any league? (laughs) Nailed that one. Uh, But yeah, so it shows, hey, even then there's risk. It's an 11th round pick. Who knows who I could have taken with that? Absolutely. Instead of playing Isaiah Kiner-Falefa all season in that spot. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you have Lex, you know that by the time you get to the first fab period of the season you're going to be dying to there's going to be players you're dying to pick up who have emerged you've, now you've got an easy drop ready to go yeah exactly yep yeah. yeah. so uh okay so let's hit so let's talk gavin lux let's talk since we we mentioned him he's out for the season torn acl and also looks like lcl as well a sprain is a tear people if you say well it's just a sprain on the lcl no that's also a tear uh so it may not be a complete total tear but the acl is gone don't look at the injury it was terrible what do the dodgers do fred with that spot yeah so i guess they just play for now play miguel rojas a lot more right so i think that's how it's shaping up right rojas at shortstop vargas at second they've talked about playing mookie Betts a little more often at second i think chris taylor will play uh, he was always going to play a lot. I think he's maybe he plays a little more. It's the yeah. Dodgers, so I feel like they'll find a smart way to pivot at some point. Now they kind of have a roster spot available now, or a, a lineup spot, or whatever. Like like not just a roster spot, but a, a prominent roster spot available if they want right. to pick up another infielder uh, or another outfielder and and use guys like Taylor and Betts more in the infield. So um, I was amazed when I started adjusting my projections how little changed. So obviously, like Lux gets wiped off the list. Rojas gets put on the list because now he'll get enough playing time, at least for now, until something changes where he's like draftable, but it's not very exciting. Like he's, he's draftable, like late round to me, he's late round draftable. He'll hit late in the Dodgers lineup. He doesn't have a lot of power or speed. Um, Betts doesn't really change much. If you want, you can give him a really small bump for a better prediction of him gaining second base eligibility. Right. Move the needle much for me, to be honest, because when I've been drafting so far, I find I need outfielders more than I need middle infielders by the late rounds. So I don't, I mean, it, the in-season flexibility is fine, but like I said, like that's, that's not a big one for me. Um, Miguel Vargas doesn't really move because I already had him slated for like a pretty large amount of playing time. I bumped Chris Taylor up a little bit, but not much. Like, right more plate appearances i don't know about you but i found like like for a major injury like this on a really good team i hardly changed my projections at all like i said i deleted locks i put in rojas rojas is still really far down my list and not much else changed 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they could put bets at second, but honestly, I don't think they want to do that all season long. I think that's just a stopgap. I'll throw a name at you that, you know, you might not have on your radar. You probably do because you're, you're, you do your research and all that, but most people might. If you're in a, like a draft champions league, consider Michael Bush. He might not begin the year, break the uh, year with the big league club. He is a top 200 prospect, 190 on James Anderson's list. He's going to be a triple A already. Anyhow, he's 25 years old. So he's not like he's this guy that's not, you know, you know, if, if he shows any sort of confidence at AAA or they they have anybody, if Vargas struggles, that finger's a problem, anything like that, I could see Bush getting the call. I could see him getting the call anyhow. He could knock that door down. So I think that's one to uh, you know to to channel the great Lenny Melnick. Just etch it on the kitchen table there. Uh, you know, as a name. I mean, man, so many names he's got etched in there. I mean, his table must be just splinters now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, many Lenny's awesome, and he does a great podcast. You guys should check it out, by the way. Um, so yeah, Michael Bush, don't forget that name. If you're in an, in a only league, you're in a DC, maybe you don't take them like in a, uh, the labor draft that we did, but maybe you do with the last round. Uh, but I hate stashes in, in leagues like that in fab leagues, but in not, you know, in a league where you're going 750 deep, I would definitely consider him. Yeah. And I mean, for those who aren't familiar with him, uh, last season spent mostly at AAA, a little bit at double A finished the year with 32 homers, 108 RBIs and 118 runs scored. Now he does strike out a lot. He doesn't steal bases. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But like you said, like late, late round forties in a draft champions, you could grab him and, and just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and, and Vargas is interesting too. Vargas is ahead of Bush for a reason. I mean, he's earned that. Uh, Miguel Vargas is someone who uh, could play a lot. You know, he started Monday, but didn't hit. That was an interesting thing. He was listed as the number nine hitter and, you know, was taken out. But, uh, you know, he's got a hairline fracture. When called up by the Dodgers last year, two walks, 13 Ks and 50 plate appearances. So, yeah, he's got some work left to do. Mm-hmm. But, man, uh, you look at his numbers in AAA, 915 OPS, hit for average, walked 71 times with 76 strikeouts. So, great eye, you know, at least in, in the minor league levels. We'll see how that translates. Last last year, he had 17 homers and 113 games. He does run 16 stolen bases last year. So, yeah, Vargas, you know, Vargas's stock is way up. A uh, couple people in the room already talking about that there. Um, Brooks and R- BZA, RZA, GZA. What does that stand for? Let us know. Um, I'm curious. At least let me know. I'm curious. Uh, but I, I got to, the other thing, other guy I got to mention is I did labor with you. Chris Taylor is one of the panoply of late round outfielders that I drafted like five in a row. Draft him as an outfielder, but you know, it helps that he qualifies at second and he could end up at short too. Because if Miguel, they find Miguel Rojas wanting, Taylor can end up getting enough games in at shortstop too. Yeah, for sure. I think you took Taylor in round 21. I think that's fair. Maybe more fair now, especially that that like looks even obviously looks even a little bit better right now. Uh, Yeah, I think Taylor's someone who at the beginning of the year will, unless the Dodgers make a a trade or something during spring training. I think at the beginning of the year, Taylor will find himself in the lineup probably five days a week, maybe in a six game week, he probably gets himself in five times a week. So um, yeah, I think he's fine. Like, like we kind of know what Chris Taylor is. He's not going to like win your league or anything, but as far as a depth guy, and, and like I was mentioning a minute ago, like I'm finding that I don't have in my draft so far, I don't have a lot of outfielders when I hit the late rounds and I'm looking for, outfielders after like round 18 or 20 like you said you loaded up you took five in a row um chris morell i think and chris taylor out of them have dual 
position eligibility. So, but still, you took a lot of outfielders. Even going into that point, you had one, two, I guess. You had one after well, 15 rounds in the later Well, draft. don't forget, Jordan Alvarez is an outfielder. He, do, he doesn't yes. have the color sticker have the color on RT, right. but yeah, okay, so he's you an had outfielder two. So in the first 15 rounds, you had two. And so did I. I was in the same situation. And I had two uh, right through to round 20. Yeah, I did. I had two right through to round 20 and ended up having to pick up a bunch of them late. That'll be my weakness at the beginning of the year that I'm going to have to work on. Well, hope, hopefully that's my only weakness. If it's not my weakness, then something else has gone wrong during spring training. But uh, yeah, I think Taylor, I, like I said, like as a as your kind of like last starter top bench guy, I think is really appealing. Yep. Yep. Um, Vargas is going to go through, go through the roof. Uh, what, what's his ADP right now? It's got a, it's going to go up at least 50 points. I figure after this, if not, uh, maybe. So I noticed in our labor draft, um, I took him in round 18 and that was the last pick of round 18. Mm-hmm. I passed on him in round 17 for Brendan Rogers. And then it was not more than a couple picks past me. And I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like I should have taken, I should have taken Vargas. People were shying away from him because of that fractured pinky. And I, I like in round 17, I was like, I got, I should, I, like I said, as soon as it passed me in round 17, I took Merrill Kelly and Brendan Rogers on the turn. Brendan Rogers just a lot safer. I mean, he did get banged up today, but depending on how that all ends up, he was considered a lot safer a week ago. Um, Anyways, and then no one wanted How quickly to the worm turns, right? Absolutely. And this is what this is a like a thing. And we'll talk about maybe this a little later with the labor draft, but like just worrying, are we overreacting to some of these early, not the Lux thing, obviously, but some of these early spring little injuries, you know, Vargas is already fielding, like he said today, you know, he could be hitting in spring training games by the weekend or something. And, and then it's full steam ahead for someone who's a really top prospect. Who I, and has a starting job on a really good team. And I was able to get him at the end of round 18. And I think he slipped a few rounds because of the fractured pinky. I think in a few days or in a couple of weeks, he's going to be four or five rounds earlier at least. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and throw up the, uh, I'm going to go ahead, post, uh, sh- share the uh, labor draft screen. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, and you can kind of see that there and see where, what Fred did. Um with this draft he's drafting out of the one spot there uh so you can kind of take a look at that there as we uh, pull it up there and it was a little teen you took well i actually i don't want to go into yeah i take that back i don't want to share that now because i I, we're going to do that as a whole chapter here so Mm -hmm. it's there for people it's coming don't worry uh but uh we got a lot of other injuries and Jeff, Jeff's got to stay on target today. He's got to do a better job of that. <laughs> yeah, we got to get to these injuries too. before we get to the drafts. Exactly. Okay. Big one. Tyler Glass now. Oblique injury. Six to eight weeks they're talking with him. This is, you know, sometimes when the oblique, it's like, uh, he kind of hurt. He might be day to day. We're going to go get an MRI. No, Glass now. Boom. Right away. Six to eight weeks. They knew it was a pretty significant one. Yeah. And as, as I put in the show notes, and I hate, I don't want to be a hater. But knock me over with a feather. You're telling me that Tyler Glass now is hurt and is going to miss time. I don't know. I I was Tyler Glass sounds a really good pitcher. I was not in on him this draft season at his ADP. I I don't know. This time it's the oblique for Tyler Glass now drafters. I hope it's this is it, and then he's back and then he's good the rest of the way. But we're talking about someone whose career high in innings is 111 and two thirds, and that's the only time he even got to 90 in a season. So I don't know. It just seems with him, even though he's really good now that he's on the raise, um, 
he just can't seem to avoid injuries. Right. Uh, we'll what did what inning? How many innings did you give him? Uh, Prior one, to the injury, yeah, or, or so now, I, okay. either yeah. way. So, um, I gave him 140, which was opt like obviously higher than he'd ever done before. But he was healthy going into spring training, so sure. Even at 140, he was nowhere near the top of my list when he would get drafted. And and you know because you do your projections, like when you have him at 140 innings, and then because he's a highly ranked pitcher, you have other pitchers at 170 and 180 innings in his tier. Like there's just no way at 140 innings mathematically, even with a good strikeout rate, like he has, like he just doesn't get to where those, and the win total is not going to project is not going to be as high. He's not going to have as much influence on your ratios because the innings are lower as someone has the same ratios in more innings. Um, yeah. So he, for me, he was way down from where his ADP was. I'm not taking a victory lap on it because he could actually still come back and throw those 140 innings. He could. And he just, I just felt like I couldn't project an amount of innings that would get him on my list to where he was getting drafted. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I had him at 125. I just moved him down to 119 even. Okay. And even that, I'm not sure if that's enough. Uh, that still might be too many. I've got him for like eight wins. Uh, I mean, it's just he's so efficient when he does pitch, but they just don't they, – they've always limited him, and I can't see that changing. That's right. Yeah, that's how, that's how I feel. And, and I just don't like when you have an injury now, I just, it doesn't really change the fact that he's still going to be back and then could have another injury during the season. It's not like this. He's just as likely as anyone else to, to get, or more likely than most guys to get hurt um, when he comes back. So I feel like now he'll fall pretty far. Do you want to play a quick little, would you rather on Tyler glass now? Please let's do that. Okay. Tyler glass now or Lance Lynn. Last now. I'm not a Lynn guy. Okay. I think I would take Lynn. Uh, how about Luis Garcia? Glass now or Luis Garcia? Garcia. Ba- okay. Changed, changed wind up and all. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be forced with this decision, decision in yogurt. I've got one starter through seven rounds and I'm, we're okay. in, we're going away from me in the seventh round right now. I'm picking out of the three spot. We'll talk more about that in a bit, okay. but uh, yeah, I, I may be forced to make some of these decisions later on. Glass now or Nick Lodolo. Probably Lodolo. Um, I like Lodolo more than most. Uh, team context is awful, ballpark and team. Mm-hmm. However, I know he's going to be there, at least for now. I mean, it, it could change. That That's a tough call, actually. Tougher than I thought. I'm going to take Glass now there. I think I'm on a, okay. not a low man on a Lodolo, but a little lower. Uh, how about Glass now versus Jesus Lazardo, who always gets hurt, or doesn't always get hurt, but gets hurt a fair amount, but is not hurt right now. I took Lazardo in labor. Um, close, close. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the range. It's right in that yeah. range. I mean that, that these yeah. are all like so even Lynn. I probably should give more a little bit more thought to. I just I'm so disenchanted with Lynn because I had him in some places where he's just so awful early on last year. Right. But almost all the White Sox were. I mean, I'd be hypocritical by saying I'm out on Lynn, but I'm also in on you know uh, in on uh, Lucas Giolito, which I am in on Lucas Giolito. Yeah, I, I could see. I don't know. Lynn's a lot older than Giolito. I, I guess I could see that. I kind of, I actually have them ranked almost like very, very similar to the, to each other. I have Giolito a little higher, but I have them ranked pretty similar to yeah. each other. I do think Glass now is. We'll we'll see where his ADP lands. I felt like where he was going before. Um, I would rather have Framber Valdez, Robbie oh, Ray, yeah. Joe Musgrove. Yes, yes. Pre, Joe Musgrove pre-injury. Like I felt like these guys were more 
reliable than glass now, but that's, that's where he was going. That was where his ADP was Tristan McKenzie. I would take those guys over glass. Now, now we'll see where glass now falls to, because if he settles into that group that I was just talking about, I could throw Chris Bassett in there. Um, you know, I throw Jeffrey Springs in there. If he starts to fall into that group, then, then I think you can look at glass. Now I don't think I would take him over some of the guys that we've mentioned, but not all of them. So I think that's the right tier for him now. In my yeah. opinion, we'll see where he falls. Yeah. The other thing is with him out until basically May um, is that the Rays now have to find a new fifth starter. They had five solid starters. Uh, mm-hmm. McClanahan, Springs, Rasmussen, Rasmussen and uh, Zach Eflin are also already in there. They, they paid Eflin, so Eflin had a job. Um, so the, now it's Luis Patino again, Yanni Chirinos coming back from a year off, You know, Taj Bradley, Josh Fleming. Uh, that, that, that's who they're looking at to try to win that fifth starters job. They're going to need that for a month now. Hello, bullpen day. Yeah. The, it's, Rays. the Rays are the inventor of bullpen yeah, day. Basically. I, so I can totally see that being the, the play for them. Yeah. They already have a lot of red ink in their bullpen again. They always do Fred. I mean, yeah. and they encourage this max effort stuff. I'm really curious to see how, how the new rules affect the Rays Cause I think they were really good at manipulating the rules before, whether yeah. it be the shift, you know, pitcher usage, uh, everything uh, throughout, you know, I, I could see a lot of this getting uh, hitting them maybe a little harder than other clubs. So we'll see about that. You alluded to Joe Musgrove. I know when I, you know, I've been I've been lifting such ponderous weights that a drop in some of my toe as well. Unfortunately, bad break there. Yeah, um, literally broken toe there. He's not going to throw at all for two weeks, maybe longer. Now you're a lifter of weights more than I am, so uh, you know a little bit more. But you know. The thing is, it's a fractured big toe on his left foot. It's that's his, you know, it, it's he's pushing off the mound with that. You know, it could last longer than two weeks. It's no throwing at all for two weeks. And then he's basically starting all over again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, starts the season on the IL. We're looking at probably mid March to start ramping up. So, I'd say late April. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't think there's much difference between he, he and Glass now in the amount of time missed, actually. Probably similar. similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, and I think you'll, you'll agree with me here. Like I would much rather draft Musgrove because when he comes back from this, he's a much better history of staying healthy and the toe, hopefully if it's fine, won't impact anything else. Like, I guess I didn't trust glass now before I, I still don't trust him, but um, so I think Musgrove, all the people that we already talked about, you would still draft him over them. Yeah. I, and the thing it also is it wasn't a pitching injury. It was right. a, a stupid That's bad right. luck injury. Yeah. And it's not his arm, it's not his oblique, it's not something that he could re-injure. He could pushing off. I mean, he's it's hard to rehab uh, foot injuries, we, you know, because it's hard to stay off your feet, right? Um it, the only thing you can do is rest, which means, you know, he it's going to be hard for him to maintain conditioning and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing that kind of is a big negative, but he doesn't go on my do not draft list. He just goes in my draft later list. I put him down to 25 starts for the season. I had him at 29 previously. Do you know off the top of your head or do you have in front of you like where he is in your starter rankings now? Like, so for me, I think I've got him around 39, 40, something like that. Mm, I don't off the top okay. of my head, but I could pull What I am going to do is pull up the round table rankings that we just did and kind of keep in mind, uh, you know, at least – you know, at least uh, where we're, where we were at before. Um, and I can kind of, uh, you know, ha- have a better idea of uh, at least of, you know, 
where I go. So just give me a second. Yeah, to pull no, it up. go ahead. While you're looking that up, I can say that where I have him, I think I would, he would be start to be in play for me in a 15 team league, maybe around round 11 would be when I would start to consider maybe round 12. So I do have, so for example, I have Charlie Morton in front of him. Um, I have Drew Matt Rasmussen, who I've drafted in both my drafts so far in round 10 in both of them in front of him. Um, I do have Jeffrey Springs in front of him, although that when I would debate um, and I have Jordan Montgomery in front of him because I'm a bit of a Jordan Montgomery guy. So I have him just kind of just behind that here. So I think, like I said, about round 11, I was when I, he would start to co- come onto my radar and round by round 12, I'd probably be pretty excited if he was still there. So we'll just see where his ADP falls in the next few days. That's fair. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up my rank. Yeah. The round table rankings are cool. Cause you can sort by your own personal rankings here. So okay. I had Musgrove at like 76 prior to this, and we'll do another set of these fairly soon. I got to imagine that puts him back. Let's see behind, but I'd say probably behind Blake Snell, uh, Kershaw range, maybe Kershaw He's right behind those two guys on my list. Gilbert, yep. Kyle Wright, who's got his own shoulder thing to watch. I might be too high on Gilbert and I mean, on Kyle Wright, actually. Nestor Cortez coming off the hamstring, but he, he's already throwing. He's pitching. I think he'll be fine. I don't love Webb, but I've got him in that range. So we're t- still yeah, talking it, before the 10th. Still, in a 15-teamer, it might be different. I might be a little bit more cautious with anybody with a, a day-to-day or an out or anything like that. Because, uh, you know, I, you don't want to come into the, you know, in a 15-teamer, you lose a guy for a month. It hurts a lot more. So. I, in a 12 teamer, I'm more inclined to take him than I am in a 15 and 10. I'm more inclined than a 12, you know? So, but after Giolito, before Lodolo, um, before glass now, definitely before glass now. Right. I also think um, the league context will matter a lot in the sense of unlimited IL way more interested in an NFBC style with seven IL slots. So if you're drafting an NFBC league, on March 25th, you can pretty much at that point, you know, who's going to be injured on opening day, right? You can plan to draft like one guy or maybe two where you're like, okay, I'll open the year with Joe Musgrove and one other guy on my L I have like timelines for them, whatever. If you're drafting now and you're going to already jam up one of your IL spots by drafting Musgrove and you do that intentionally, you have to pretty much assume that you're going to have at least one other player, if not two who get hurt during spring training that you're not going to want to drop. So that, that one's a little trickier. Like I said, like I, I would be more inclined to draft Musgrove in late March, knowing that maybe when I hit round 10, I didn't have any injured players yet. So, so I'm going to take him and then I'm not going to draft anyone else who's injured at the time right now. Well, sure, I don't have anyone who's injured yet, but we're just starting spring training. I can pretty much assume that someone else I took in the first 15 rounds will be hurt by opening day. Exactly. And then, and then again, those early season bench spots in NFBC leagues are so valuable. In Tout Wars and Labor, they're not because you just put them on the IL. But in NFBC, like April is the time more than any other month where you want to have bench spots for speculative closers, hot starters, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Got a question in the uh, in the chat room about Fernando Tatis. Did he play? I know he is scheduled to play today. So I got to pull up. And I haven't seen a, a box score yet from uh, spring training stats, but uh, presumably, uh, if they have they even played yet, or they play at night, uh, that's that's the question. I have questions. Many questions here. Uh, so I, yeah, but, you know, I he was scheduled to make his spring training debut today. He did. He, they did. They played. He did. Uh, so 
I, I, I haven't seen any velos or anything like that, you know, and I, I don't even know if he's, uh, you know, what, what he's doing defensively yet, but, uh, yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. pulling the box score. He went, uh, he did, he go, he went over two, scored a run, stole a uh, base. Stole a base. Hey, that's nice. We like that. He was the DH. So we didn't see any defense. Uh, and that, that's one of the big things is it, how's he going to adapt to right field? But Hey, walked, stole a base. So that, 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 there's, there's some good things going there for him. Yep, yep. This is good. Uh, a good step back for people who want to draft him in round two. I'm not really one of them right now. We'll see if I reconsider later in draft season. But for those who want to draft him in round two, uh, yeah, we'll see if he keeps providing encouraging signs throughout the spring until he has to sit out for suspension. Exactly. A mm-hmm. uh, couple other injuries before we move on to other topics. Uh, Seiya Suzuki out of the WBC, another oblique injury. Uh, they're ta- calling it a moderate strain. They also call it Glasnose a grade two strain. So uh, yeah, we'll see if we don't have that dis- degree of precision with Suzuki's. Are, are how, how much are you pulling back and say a Suzuki right now? Oh, a little bit. And I wasn't really, I wouldn't, I was definitely not out on Suzuki, but other people had him higher than I did up mm-hmm. to this point. And so I would say I will drop him too far unless he really i guess we'll see where he slips and drafts i don't think i'll be the one drafting him again like i made the point with musgrove if i'm gonna tie up an il spot already for april uh i think it has to be someone who i'm really high on like musgrove uh like glass now i'm not really high on glass now because of the injury concerns but i get that glass now is awesome if he when he's when he's healthy so suzuki's good I don't know if he's good enough that I want to jam up one of my IL spots right now with him. He would be more appealing again, like I said, as part of a plan later in March, depending on what his ADP is. But I just, I could see me being annoyed having him on the IL at the start of the year if I already had a couple other injuries and and the other players were better than him. Yeah. He's also a guy that we were paying up for. We, we are the industry, not me and you personally, because I couldn't. I got I got aced out on him. Rudy Grant Gamble got him in the eighth round in LABR last week, uh, which much to the chagrin of Tim McLeod, who prides himself on knowing all the Japanese players and grabbing most of them. Uh, but he did not get was it, he was not able to get him. He was able to get Senga and Yoshida, however. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned in the outline Christopher Morel might benefit a little bit. That's one Morel is going to be the super sub anyhow, and I think he's going to play a lot. Hey, labor is so far as my good luck league and FSGA is my bad luck league, apparently, because I had Lux in FSGA, but I have Chris Taylor and Christopher Morell in LABR. Yeah, so you've already got leagues shaping up as your your good luck and, and bad luck leagues. Um, you gra- Yeah, you grab Chris Morell in labor. Chris Morell's in a neat guy to, when you rank him for fantasy because he really does stuff the stat sheet when he plays. Like, he's just got that power speed mix. That's really interesting. It's just a matter of how much are they going to play him? Is he going to hit ninth all the time? Which I think is quite possible. Uh, but he's, a, he, like I said, he's a really interesting guy. He's someone who, when I did my projections, came out higher in my projections than I anticipated that he would. And mm-hmm. then I had to really go back and look at him and decide, like, am I giving him too much playing time? Are these power speed skills, you know, for sure? Like, are they really for real? Because we have a limited sample size on him. But depending on how things shake out with the Cubs, if they had some injuries, he's someone who could end up being a really great value pick this year because if he does get 550 plate appearances, he, he will have sizable totals in homers and steals. Exactly. Uh, final injury note, Garrett Whitlock. Uh, second to the last injury. Okay. Note, penultimate injury note, Garrett <laughs> Whitlock. Uh, his 
return from hip surgery is perhaps delaying him for the start of the season, maybe a little slower than we had hoped. He's already, he's also transitioning back to the rotation. He was a starter in the minors, wasn't quite clicking with the, in the Yankees farm system. Red Sox grabbed him in the rule five draft proof that you can still find good players in the rule five draft. Uh, but I, I, I have a little bit of skepticism about him making that successful transition, getting stretched out. So I don't really have a whole lot of him so far. Uh, what say you on Garrett Whitlock? So I'm kind of, I was kind of intrigued. I still am kind of intrigued. I, I, th- I see the same thing that you're mentioning. So to put a number to that last year, last year he made nine starts and 22 relief appearances, but he actually threw the same amount of innings. So he threw 39 innings as a starter, 39 and a third as a reliever, almost a total 50, 50 split. His ERA as a starter was 4.15. His ERA as a reliever was 2.75 and not that surprising really, right? Mm-hmm. Like opponents OPS as a reliever, 547 as a starter, 723. He was much more effective as a reliever, which we've seen with so many pitchers over the years. He was just, harder to hit in the same amount of innings. He gave up 15 more hits as a reliever control skills were fine in both great strikeout to walk rates. I'm intrigued by Garrett Whitlock. I did not quite get him in uh, labor, but I was interested. Um, he's still on the board in my tout wars draft and hold. We're in round, I don't know, 21 or something like that. And he's still on the board. I don't know if I will necessarily draft him with my next pick, but eventually I'd be interested in him. I think maybe, the play with Whitlock now is if this injury, which seems pretty minor, they haven't even ruled him out for opening day. If this injury causes him stock to really plummet, I think he might be worth the risk as a bench pitcher to start the year. Yeah. Uh, oh, I agree. If you get him that cheaply, great. If you're getting him as your seventh pitcher, eh, mm-hmm. not so great. That's right. Uh, but I, and I think that feels about right. Like that's where he was going, like pick 275, something like that. Um, so if, if this knocks him down, if this knocks him down 100 spots and you're getting him on your bench, then I think he's definitely someone to be interested in. I'm rooting for Whitlock to be a stud reliever. I've got Brian Bayo. Okay. Uh, I want okay. I want Bayo in the rotation. Whitlock to be the guy who comes in after him there and clean, you know, wipes people out. That's my goal. Uh, it's it's a very modest goal. Brendan Rogers, last injury player, uh, popped out his shoulder. You know, shoulder out of socket today. That doesn't. Sound great, nope. Brad. They're saying he, they're they're trying to minimize it, but again, spring training injuries like that they can they can take a life on their life of their own. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, we'll just see where where this one goes. Like a little too early to to really comment. Like you said, the shoulder popping out doesn't sound good, but who knows? Maybe they popped it back in. Maybe we've seen have seen that before. Maybe they popped it back in, and it's not not a big deal, but. We'll find out coming up. I did, like I said earlier, I did view Rogers as like a safe pick when I took him in labor a week ago. Right. Um, I almost took him in the Tout Wars League actually just this morning and then decided that I didn't want to do that or at least didn't want to do it yet. And then someone else took him, like Jock Thompson took him right after after I picked, like like the very next pick. So Is, is uh, uh, Rogers your uh, UT? You locked up your UT early, didn't you? In that one? Cause you I have- think I might have. You have Brandon Lau, India, you have Javi Baez, and none yes, of these I guys did. are yeah. any, anywhere else. So, no, in, interesting. That's a perfect segue. We're going to talk about your labor team, but first, we all have to take care of a little bit of business here first. The un- and We'll start off with our good friends at Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger. 
which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, which is three pitchers, three infielders, importantly, three outfielders, and one flex each week for the re- of the regular season. Outfielders are super important in this format. You'll see a lot of outfielders go in the first three rounds. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with pro- the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you also will get six months of a Rotowire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. Our other title sponsor is our good friends at Fantrax. And Fantrax is a great place to run your fantasy league. We've talked about it before. Tout Wars has used their auction room when we were stuck at home during COVID. Now we're going to be back in New York this year. Excited for that. But they have a great auction room. Uh, so I highly recommend that. They offer the greatest experience in Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, and Best Ball Leagues. If you're Even if you're coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. They can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. They have an in-depth player pool. If you've got the deepest Dynasty League, you've got, uh, you know, Rookie ball players, Dominican summer league players, they'll have them. I, I guarantee you they'll have them. Uh, my name is an ain't uh, EF Hutton or no, that's not, that's not how the commercial went, but uh, okay. Anyways. Uh, so go check out fan tracks on that. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed Jersey from Vladimir Guerrero jr. Simply go to fantracks.com slash rotowire and sign up today. That's F A N T R A X.com slash rotowire fan tracks, the home of fantasy sports. Finally, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Thank you for your indulgence on that. Uh, got all of our business taken care of. We're moving on to talk LABR. And this is where we're going to share the draft board here because Fred and I did the draft Tuesday night. We did a live stream. For those of you who weren't you know, logging in at the time, hey, that's okay. I understand it was two and a half hours, but it was super fun. We thoroughly enjoyed it. I Hopefully those of you who tuned in enjoyed it and learned a few things and enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to kind of go over Fred's team here. Uh, I've talked about mine at Infinome. There's a there's an article on this on Rotowire, you, which you can check out at rotowire.com/pod. Go ahead and check out uh, my my team and my uh, discussion of my picks. Let's talk about Fred's team. Fred, you had the first overall pick. You weren't necessarily hoping to get the first overall pick. After playing this out, how do you feel about it? Uh, it was fine. So if I didn't take Ronald Acuna Jr., I would have taken Aaron Judge. He went fourth. Um, when I look at the way the second and third rounds would have played out, if I was picking fourth, I probably would have taken the same players. I would have taken JT. I took JT Real Muto on the, in round two. If I had picked three picks earlier in round two, I would have taken him anyway. So in the end, what, like I was, I was fine with having Acuna. I mean, in general, would I have rather gone? No, actually I'm good. I was good with Acuna. Like when I look at how the second round shook out, um, yeah, I, 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 like Freddie Freeman slipped all the way. We talked about this on the live stream that he slipped all the way to pick 14. I would have found that really interesting. I don't know if I probably would have paired him with Corbin Burns, but um, Ray Flowers got him and paired him with Raphael Devers, but I was good. I Acuna and then getting J, JT Realmuto doesn't usually fall to pick 30. So being able to get two guys right off the top, fill a catcher spot and then have a two players who both could get me a fair amount of home runs and a fair amount of steals. That was really nice. And then being able to grab Spencer Strider, who you predicted that I would take yep. out, out of thin air. And I didn't think that I thought I was going to end up taking Aaron Nola. I and he, Ryan Bloomfield took him in round two, which was earlier than Nola usually goes, but I think still like a really good pick. Yeah, so solid. Um, yep. and, and and with Nola, I get it. I, I fully understand why. You know you're what you're getting with him. Oh, yep. you know what you're getting whip wise, and you know you're getting strikeouts. ERA tends to fluctuate. Fluctuates a little bit more. for sure. And he, yeah. the Phillies are improved, so they were pretty good last year and are improved. So maybe the wins you'll get a little luckier with the wins. I thought Nola was very undervalued. I didn't really get into the January draft season this year, which mm-hmm. normally I do. I thought when I looked through January ADP though, that was one that I had really targeted. I thought Nola was really undervalued. He was going a month ago in NFBC leagues, he was going like mid third round, maybe even second half of the third round often. So he's moved up and that's, I think this is where he belongs. He's reliable. So for example, Sandy Alcantara is also really reliable, but he doesn't have Nola's strikeout rate. Al- Alcantara can have like a really high strikeout total, but it has to come with like 215 innings. Yep. That's Nola right. Nola can do it in 180 innings. He can get you the same strikeout total. So, yep. and Nola is also a workhorse, maybe not quite the same level, but as good as anyone else other than him. You mentioned Freddie Freeman and uh, Brooks mentions that, you know, Freeman's kind of underappreciated. I agree. Yep. So we knew about Jordan Alvarez a little bit on Tuesday. That's when the news came out that the hand was kind of bothering him still. Uh, 
I hammered and I hemmed and hawed. I really didn't snap call Jordan Alvarez at 1.8, and Freeman was going to be my pivot. Uh, so uh, I think you can make a really good case for Vlad there too. I know you don't like Bobby Witt there, so you wouldn't have gone that way. I probably wouldn't have gone that way. I think you also could have looked at Otani. And Otani, uh, in labor, I should say, the Otani rule is you get both the pitcher and the hitter, but you have to decide each week which whether you're where you're going to deploy him. In Tout Wars, they're two separate players. In Otanu, you get it, you get the fairy tale. You get it all. You just have to make a decision each day. So okay. uh, that that's <laughs> he's one point one in that format. Uh, so there, there you go. So you went Acuna, then you went Real Muto uh, Strider. I've gotten a lot of JT Real Muto early. I like that pick, obviously. Um, I got him at I think two thirteen in FSGA. So I'm in lockstep with you on that. And then we get to the fourth round. Um, and the whole time on the live stream, we're talking about, wow, DeGrom keeps on slipping. I hope I don't get put to the test on that. I think you said six or seven times. You got put to the test on it and you took them. You passed the test, I guess. Or maybe you failed it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out in a few months. But yeah, I didn't want to have to make this decision and, and neither did anyone else. And this was, I feel like, peak DeGrom nervousness or hysteria right? La- a week ago tonight, I think it's, it, so I look, it's kind of calmed down a bit since then. Like yeah. his TGFBI ADP is about 36, his NFBC ADP since in the last like four days or so is 37. So he's moved up already about, this was pick what, 40, no, 60, pick 60. So he's moved up a lot again already. It's just, it was one of those things where a player starts falling. And then I think we all start second guessing ourselves. Like he should have gone in other drafts. He was kind of going around three. So, okay. He slips into round four and then Ray takes Shane Bieber instead of him. Okay. You know, Joe Sheehan takes Zach Wheeler instead of him. Okay. And now everyone starts second guessing themselves. Do I, am I going to be the guy who take DeGrom? And then Ryan Bloomfield later decides he'll just take Kevin Gosman instead of DeGrom. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Steinhorn takes Luis Castillo. Everybody just wanted the safer pitchers. And then when it was coming to me, Tim McLeod drafted right before me, and I, I was just going to take Dylan Cease. I was going to do the same thing as these other guys, kind of wimp out on the whole thing and say, just give me a guy with a better durability track record. Then Tim takes Dylan Cease, <laughs> and I just decided, you know what? Like, life short, draft Jacob DeGrom. If he turns out to pitch even – if he could if he could turn out to pitch 160 innings, like with him and Strider, that would be a pretty – could be a pretty amazing one. When you speak of us, speak well, that that's, that's what happens. If that's the case there, um, as, uh, as BZA, RZA, GZA says, you could get 500 K's just from two pitchers right there. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or something like it. You're right. Uh, 400 and something for sure. I mean, it could totally blow up. We'll see. I didn't feel great about the DeGrom pick at the end of that draft. Since then he's thrown some bullpen sessions. He looks like things are back on track. I don't know. I don't know. And even if he starts opening day, I don't know. Like, right? Like, we won't really yep. know until it won't take till the end of the season. We'll probably know by the All Star break or so if things are going along fine with him or not. The other noteworthy thing early on is you took two catchers in the first five mm-hmm. rounds. What in Sam Hill is going on here? Yeah, I, that was not the plan. Um, I did, like I said, I didn't think Real Muto would be there when I picked on the two, three turns. So I was happy about that. The Sal Perez pick, um, I don't like the hitters at all around the four or five turn. I, 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 when I mapped out my draft, I didn't like the hitters and okay. that were going by ADP. And I had kind of targeted a couple of them. Um, 
Kyle Schwarber often makes it to the four or five turn. He didn't in this draft. Corey Seager, who you took in the middle around four, he sometimes yep. makes it to the four or five turn. He didn't in this draft. I find around the four or five turn, there are so many pitchers drafted. If you just look at ADP and in our draft as well, same thing. Like around the four or five turn and all the way through the first half around five, there tends to be a lot of closers go around that time and a lot of starting pitchers. So there aren't a lot of hitters in that area. And I just didn't really love the ones that were there on my projection. Sal Perez comes out the highest among the players who were available. And it wasn't even that close. I could have maybe gone with George Springer, but Perez came out the highest and it was, you know what? It was a pretty cool feeling to spend the rest of my draft, not having to draft a catcher. I bet. I bet. We'll see how it turns out, but I certainly wasn't sitting there in round eight or nine thinking, oh, I'd really like to draft a catcher. I don't have the opportunity to do that anymore. Like, it's a good feeling. We'll see. Like I said, we'll see how it turns out. I know the injury risk that comes with having two really important catchers. The fact that Perez plays DH so much maybe mitigates some of that risk. But uh, I'll say if I didn't get Seager Mm -hmm. um, in, in round four, it might have been Perez for me. I love Perez. I think. Yeah. I, he's my number two catcher. I have him even ahead of Will Smith, who I love. Nothing wrong with Will Smith. Um, Varsho, though, is Varsho yeah, your number two catcher? Uh, he's my, he, my number two. The steals just yeah, like, okay, so fair, fair. Yeah, I'm not but, a Varsho guy, although I did get a, my first like league where I got him in a league uh, this year. I think I got him in the Gladiator draft or okay. somewhere, but. Yeah, yeah, Varsho's probably oversell Perez, but not well, not necessarily cuz I think Varsho I don't I think there's I think he'll come back down to earth batting wise a little bit more. But I don't know. I think he'll uh I I I, I could I could be wrong about that. I mean, Sal Perez was a second round pick in fantasy last exactly. year. So the exactly. ceiling on him is high. And when you go back and look at his season from last year, like he was really good. He just missed a lot of time. Like he only, he played 114 games, which is his lowest, like non strikes or sorry, COVID shortened season. That's right. his lowest in a decade. And he still hit 23 home runs. Like if he just played his normal amount, and I don't mean the 161 games he played the previous year, just his normal amount, 130 to 140 games. You know, he probably hits 26, 27 homers, which is pretty typical for him. Drives in 80 plus runs, 85 runs. Like for a catcher, that's really good. And he hasn't been a batting average nightmare really throughout his career. He's had a couple seasons that weren't great, but he's a career 268 hitter. That helps your batting average nowadays. Yeah. League-wide batting average last year was 243. Yeah. It's the sixth lowest batting a- league-wide batting average of all time and the lowest since 1968. So we're talking either like super high mound or dead ball error in terms of bat- league-wide batting average. It's it was just that bad last year. You can see why Major League Baseball is trying to implement all these pro batting average rules, you know, limiting yeah. the shift, yep. limiting the amount of time on the mound. Uh, and, we, and we're actually starting to see some high scoring spring training games. Uh, you know, that these are things that are pointed in favor of the hitter for the most part. There, The, the goal is to try to inc- induce more balls in play. Now, I, I don't think it's going to take away from the major problem, which I don't think you, I don't know how you do. And that's the, 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 velo- the, crazy velocity increases in baseball unless there's less less rest time between pitches equates to a lower velocities that's the only thing i can think of as far as anything that arrests that trend yeah it's possible i i i'm 
like I'm a fan of the, a lot of the league changes right now. Like if we can get more balls put into play or more balls falling for base hits, I think it's a good thing. I don't mind. I I'm good with the shift rules. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I don't mind some little things to try to put the speed game back into effect, which Sal Perez will not be a part of in any way, shape, or form in <laughs> his career high of one steal in a season. But I, I, I like a lot of these changes, and I like the pitch clock already. And if we want to tweak it and add two seconds or something, then sure. I thought Max Scherzer, by the way, had the best attitude about the pitch clock. Yeah. He's awesome. I love Max Scherzer. Like, he's just such a competitor. And him being like, you know what? I got more control. Now I got more control. I'm going to work fast. I'm going to work medium and then I'm going to work fast. You can't step out of the box. I've got some control right now. So I thought that was really cool. And and, and you know what? Max Scherzer's mindset was like a lot of our fantasy managers' mindsets. How many times have we said over the years, just tell me the rules and I'll play the game? Yeah, it's the Lar Michaels approach. The late, great Lar Michaels always said, just tell me the rules and allow me to make a spreadsheet and I'll find a way to beat you. Right. Um, so Max that's the attitude same. you got to take. Yeah. So instead of sour grapes, Max Scherzer's just like, great. Okay. Those are the new rules. Now let me sit and think about it. Let me practice it. I'll figure out a way to make this work for me. I love it. You embrace a certain amount of risk on this team. Uh, yep. Besides DeGrom, Starling Marte, Felix Bautista, not ready yeah. to start spring training. He's yep. your, your, your number one closer. Kyle and Wright. your next closer is... is- not Dylan Floro. Yeah. Sir, <laughs> not, not appearing in this film. Um, yeah, yeah it, 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 you only have two relievers. Period. Yeah, I, I think I'm okay with just kind of adding relievers early in the season. I don't know if Floro will really turn out, but he wasn't too expensive. Since then, the Marlins have kind of backed off him as their closer. So he might end up being a drop. We'll see. Or someone I hold for a couple of weeks. Uh, I did. Other than DeGrom, even on top of DeGrom, I did pick players who had minor injuries or minor injury reports at the start of spring, and I felt like we're dropping an ADP because of that. So on that 6-7 turn, right, Felix Batista, like he's he was dropping a bit because mm-hmm. they're saying they're not 100% sure if he's going to be ready for opening day. I kind of took that like, not as a huge deal. If he missed a week or two, I'm still fine with him at the end of round six, like with the closers that have already gone at that point. Uh, like the next closer to go in the draft was Camilo Duvall and then Kenley Jansen after that. I'll take Batista. I think he's better. So, and if I have to miss a couple, he has to miss a couple weeks then, so be it. And same with Starling Marte. Like Marte, they revealed, you know, that he had had surgery, groin surgery in the off season. Uh, some people are saying, I think are taking that negatively, which it might be, but also he played hurt last year when he got right. a lower steals total than usual. So there's a sunny side of that where maybe now that he's had the surgery, he gets back to being a 25 steal player. So yeah, I kind of embrace and same with Kyle, Wright. Again, like, like a bit of an issue, but this could just end up being a really small hiccup and he's in their rotation the first trip through. And I, I was fine with his value on the round nine, 10 turn, right. At pick 135, I guess it was. So yep. yeah, I, I, I didn't plan on that going in, but I felt like this room was pretty cautious with players who had opened spring training with, some sort of a red cross beside their name. So I just took the discounts. So the way I look at that is, you know, I, I, I like maybe taking on one or two. I don't want to mm-hmm. have a full portfolio of those type of risks because mm-hmm. I, I feel like at least one of them is going to end up being worse than they've reported. Maybe I'm paranoid. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's possible. And if one of them is then, okay, sure. You know what I mean? Like if, if Kyle Wright opens the season on the IL, but Marte and Batista are a full go, then, yeah, right. like like I said, I got three discounts, and 
that that's the price I'll pay for it. So we'll just see it. And again, it depends how long they start. Cause we know those IL stints that started are backdated. And like, mm-hmm. if someone like Kyle Wright misses a week or two weeks out of my lineup, I can live with that. Yeah. So, yeah. and I get you on that, but as Brendan Rogers illustrates injuries come into the league after. Right. Yeah, for sure. That that's the, the, the argument against going Un- unlimited IL though, in this league, which is, Unlimited IL. Unlimited. Like lethal weapon too. You know. Not that I want to. Diplomatic yeah, community. Not that I want to take full advantage of the unlimited IL, but it does mean if I lose a couple of these guys at the start of the year, I will be able to on that first fab run try to start working on my depth and have extra bench spots. And you do lose a bench spot in this one. It's a six-man bench. Yeah, that's true. It yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, you tend to have pairs of players. You you doubled up on second baseman. You have a low and allow. Uh, you have two early catchers. Uh, you know, it's a lot of double. It was not supposed to be like a themed draft, but it yeah. wound up being a themed draft. Yeah. With all these little, the catcher thing, the low low thing right. uh, on a lot of the turns. I took one hitter and one pitcher. We talked about that during the live stream. There was one turn earlier on where I took, um, it would have been the what? 12, 13. I took, Brandon Lau and Jonathan India. So that's the one time I took two hitters. Other than that, on pretty much every turn, because I felt like I couldn't play the room because I was stuck on the end, I just would take a hitter and a pitcher. Try to stay balanced. Try to get talent. That's right. Yeah. If I was sitting in the middle of the draft, I might have tried to get cute sometimes and draft two or three hitters or two or three pitchers in a row. But I just felt like that was the safe way to go. And then because you need more hitters than pitchers, I picked a turn in the middle rounds and went with two hitters. Yeah, I did yeah. do a bunch of like streaks. I did five hitter, five pitchers in a row. Uh, I was light on pitching at the time. Hmm. And then I did, you know, uh, like eight. I think I did nine hitters in a row after that, including six of which that have outfield eligibility, <laughs> five hitter, uh, five outfielder types in a row. Hmm. Uh, I felt like I meant, but some of that is like, I felt like I was reacting a lot. I was always chasing hmm. a little and that's not good. You want to be dictating, not chasing. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, I it, and it's usually on the turn where I feel like I'm chasing more than dictating. Although I didn't totally feel that in this draft. I mm-hmm. I, I don't mind being on the turn. Like, it, it it does give you a chance to plan your team out two picks at a time. Right. That's so, true. That right. is that's the one. Like I said, like I feel like I gotta be. I can't get too aggressive because I can't get in on runs. But the flip side of that is. Um, I don't I don't try to be cute and play the room in some way and then fail and then miss out on something like I, I just knew like when I took Felix Batista like I knew like there, I, there's 30 picks until I go again there aren't going to be any closers there when it comes back to me closers who are you know really secure in their jobs so I just know I have to pick someone exactly yeah exactly all right um let's move on and talk a little about a couple of players and uh, we'll talk a little TGBI and, and Talent Wars here uh first uh let, let's talk a little bit about Tristan Casas you have him in Talent Wars I have him in labor. We bought, he homered today, by the way. Homer tonight, uh, right before we got started, he hit a big home run. Uh, we both have an affinity for him. Well, I didn't think I did, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to come around to him as someone who could be, uh, pr- like pretty good. Like I wouldn't say I'm like super high on him, but uh, when you look at his projections, like my projections for him were pretty solid, and then I kind of compared them to some of the projection models at Fangraphs and. Uh, his job seems to me to be really secure. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a high average guy, but he walks a lot, which should be helpful. Like the Red Sox will appreciate that. It'll help him to stay somewhere near near the middle of the lineup. If he could be a 20 homer guy, 
I think, and play every day. I think that could be at the point where he's getting drafted pretty valuable. And he'll, he'll, yeah, I was going to say he'll steal a few bases. That's too generous. I, I shouldn't even bother getting into that, but um, yeah, I think, I know he struggled in the little bit of time, the 95 plate appearances last year, he only hit 197, but he walked a ton, 20% walk rate. He hit five homers in the 95 plate appearances. That's good. I don't know. I think there's a chance here that we're looking back at the end of the year and he's got 20 or 22 homers, maybe hit 250, good walk rate. Where I grabbed him was in Tet Wars with the OBP format, which I like him a little better in. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's pretty solid. Yeah, I think so too. Um so obviously I do because I I drafted him here. I drafted him last night in the Beach of Erickson draft. I think he's a poor man's Vinny Pasquantino and I you know I have some a certain affinity for him as well. Uh I, I just think, it, you know, he, he's a prospect with some pedigree and he's getting a chance to play and it's yeah. not his first t- exposure to the league. I think there's a lot of things pointing in the right direction. I think he'll be eventually in the middle of that lineup, if not there at, at, from the day one, but he'll be there pretty quickly. Uh, so good park uh, to hit in. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that I like about that. Uh, I like about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you're a Jonathan India guy. Um, Apparently I, uh, I'm, I'm not anti Jonathan India, but I'm also not super pro Jonathan India. So why don't you make the case for him? Um, well, I mean, in his rookie year, he was like your prototypical leadoff hitter or like new age leadoff hitter, 376 on base percentage. And that was without a super high BABIP. It was 326. Like that's not like not super high for a player who's got a little bit of speed. Mm-hmm. Um Strikeouts are, were a little high as a rookie, 141, but that's not that bad. His strikeout to walk is basically two to one. That's okay. Um, he can steal a few bases. Like, again, like he kind of prototype, prototype high order hitter, got on base a ton, can run a bit, has some pop, scored 98 runs. It's not like the Reds had a great lineup in 2021. Like, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't a great one. So, so but he was getting on base a lot at the top of the order. So, and then last year, just everything went wrong. So he had multiple yeah. hamstring, multiple hamstring injuries. He ended up missing 59 games. Um, and I think it was just rare, rarely, you know, totally healthy and in the flow of things. Even with that, he wasn't abysmal. Like he hit 249 at 10 homers. It's not, not good, like at all, but it wasn't like, like he completely bottomed out and had a 550 OPS or something like that. It was 705. That's again, it's not great, but I I could just see him. He's what 26. I could see him coming back this year and looking more be with better health and just looking more like he did in his rookie season. And at that point, if you're talking about and maybe with the base stealing rules and him hitting high in the lineup, maybe he could steal 15. So if he could be a 20 homer, 15 steal, leadoff hitter who gets on base a lot. I know it's not the greatest lineup, but I think there's some good potential here. That That's kind of how I feel. I was listening to the Launch Angle podcast uh, the other day, and Jeff Zimmerman made a comment on him where he just said that where he gets drafted, he's probably one of the more likely players to be like a top three-round pick next year, even though it probably won't happen. But if you're just looking at guys around that ADP who could pick, be picked really high the next year, I think he he could be one of them. Yeah. You For what it's worth, you got him roughly at ADP at one. Yeah, for sure. And same um, as in my Tet Wars draft. It wasn't a big reach or anything. And the fact that you doubled up there was annoying to me because I did wait on second baseman. Um, and I think, you know, it went Cronenworth, Lau, and India. Bing, boom, boom. All three in a row there. Mm-hmm. And that, that 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 hurt. I could have – I wanted to get – I actually wanted Lau. I thought that was the one that I was like, yeah. yes, that's the player I want to get there. 
Um, Cronenworth in India would have been fine too, though. Um, and once they were gone, I wanted to wait even longer. And I, I did. I waited a couple more rounds, got boring old DJ LeMahieu, um, <laughs> who, by the way, two years ago was like a fourth round pick. So, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> you, you can find upside in anybody. And I've, I've caught, I've burned myself so many times by saying there's no upside on an old player. There is upside still. Yep, for sure. Uh, probably needs happy fun ball back though. And I don't think that's happening. So, uh, you're the, the power upside's not there anymore. Right. And I, so this is where I mentioned when we were talking about Mookie Betts that, um, that I find there's just so many middle infielders out there that I, that I'm fine with, um, you know, in round 11, I took Javi Baez. I didn't love it, but I think it's fine. Round 12, Brandon Lau, round 13, Jonathan India. In round 14, I took Josh Rojas, who will play third for me, but I believe is second eligible as well. Uh, Brendan Rogers in round 17, I took Miguel Vargas in round 18, who is not yet second base eligible, but is going to be very soon. I just find that there are in every draft, there are a lot of middle infielders that I'm fine with in through the middle rounds. Yeah, I'd say that's right. Um, and you know, I, I, in many of my drafts, I've gotten the early second baseman and I like that. I've gotten a lot of Marcus Simeon. I've got some Albies. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting Altuve in that tier point is i think they're you know i feel more comfortable walking away with one of the top tier second basemen however in this one i did not and it was something i did not enjoy for what it's worth so uh yeah um you know i i don't know uh this is also a, you know i, I want to talk about another thing here real quick too and that is that i i think uh pitchers are getting devalued uh, significantly we saw it in labor i'm in tjfbi right now uh and it's true there too Starting pitchers, no starting pitchers win in the first round of labor. Uh, and TJFBI, the first one went at 2.1. So you could say that happened there, but I, I don't know if it's going to happen in the main event. Aces tend to get pushed up there. I tweeted the other day, though, there is a non zero chance that we get go, ha, there'll be at least one main event draft that go where there's not a first, not a first round pitcher. Yeah. I'm looking at your TJFBI draft board right now and like Aaron Nola going pick 41. Uh, Shane McClanahan going in the fourth round around pick 50. Like there's like Verlander went late in the third Scherzer, which happens yep. sometimes late in the third. Um, this is what I think we're seeing is like, okay, so pitchers are usually the yellow stickers. Like we're seeing no yellow stickers in the first round, a couple, three or four or five yellow stickers in the second round. And then it starts to really pick up in the, th in the third, fourth and fifth round. It feels like almost every other pick is a yellow sticker. Yeah. So that's where that's where the the industry has decided to put pitchers this year because I think not many of them are fully standing out. Like we can't really decide if if how much better Garrett Cole is than Aaron Nola, how much is he better than Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. Like Verlander and Scherzer are two guys who if they threw enough innings like could be the number one starting pitcher this year. Yeah. So, so when you can get those guys around pick 40 or 45 it's making people less interested in taking one in the top 10 so i'm 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 ending up having a similar build to labor than i in tgfbi uh so for through seven rounds i have five hitters and two pitchers one of which is a closer and an emmanuel classe i took the second closer at 3.3 i took dylan cease you know i didn't think i was going to get him anywhere but i got him at pick uh 58 you know third to last pick of the fourth round yeah uh i did take Gunnar Henderson in the sixth round. That was kind of a luxury pick. And I was thinking, okay, I'll get Tristan McKenzie on the way back. Nope. McKenzie went one pick before me. I feel like that was the end of a tier. 
Uh, I've been, you know, yeah. since then I've seen three, two other starters go in George Kirby and Joe Musgrove. Uh, Musgrove was someone who set a cue earlier. So I, I think they're going to be a little unhappy unha- with that, but uh, nonetheless, I, you know, it's funny. I, I joked on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be different than everybody else and go hit her heavy in the first round and maybe only take two pitchers, except 25 other people have already tweeted something similar to that to TGFBI. <laughs> um, I, yeah, looking at your TGFBI team, um, I wonder, I, I was a little surprised that you took Jeremy Pena, but like you said, you felt like there was a tear drop after Tristan McKenzie and you just didn't, I'm assuming you just felt like I don't want to overpay just to get a pitcher. Uh, one of the guys he's still on the board who I thought about could have made, could have been a, on my list, at least an option there would have been Robbie Ray, but you can't really pair Robbie Ray with Dylan Cease. Like they're watch me. Great. If it comes to me, I'll do it. Oh, you could do it. Maybe I will do it. I'll make it do it so fast. It'll make your head spin. Yeah. In round eight, I guess the value would just be really good. It's just, that would be a weird pair because they're both pitchers with high whips compared to their ERA. So now you've got two aces who both get a lot of strikeouts, but have a high whip. Now you're going to have to try to find maybe like some Jamison Tyone type guys where the whips better, typically better in the ERA later to offset that. So that would have been a weird one. I'd say looking back on it now. Yeah. I guess you could have decided to like, maybe you felt like Gunnar Henderson was a little bit of, you were getting cute or something and maybe you should have just taken McKenzie and, and hoped Henderson that, made it through that the turn. A path. But the thing yeah. is, I look at, I mean, look at that labor draft and yeah, you know, I did it. I went. I Gonsolin and Giolito. They pair. They pair well together, like peanut butter and yep. jelly. Yeah. But. Yep. Exactly. I guess the other spot would have been instead of Eloy Jimenez. At that point in time, there were still like the next three picks were Max Fried, Christian Javier, Zach Gallen. Sure. Gosman, Gosman was still on the board. I think I remember you saying last week that you don't feel great about Gosman right now, just with him having to make some minor tweaks to to the way he pitches. So. I guess instead of Jimenez, there were some pitchers right there if you wanted to get a, a second sure. starter. Every but, pick oh, has consequence. But yeah, you can you could take starters with your next two picks when it gets back to you. I guess we'll just see who's available. And I I don't even have to. That's yep. I could take one more hitter and a starter. And I, yep. I I said during the draft during the live stream, I am way more comfortable with the pitchers in the mid to late teens than I am the hitters. So okay. maybe I'll just take a bunch of yep. hitters and now and then I have fewer to chase later. And just if I'm put that to the test, if I really feel more comfortable with pitching later, why not, you know, go where I don't, you know, you know, it's harder to find the the hitters later that I am comfortable with. I mean, I could be wrong about said hitters. We'll see. Uh, But uh, we'll find out. But uh, at, at any rate, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment. It's an actual interesting league, you know, team experiment there. And going with different builds is fun, right? Like, like, like I ended up doing the hitter, pitcher, hitter, pitcher, hitter, pitcher thing in labor, but I'm not going to do that in all my drafts. I didn't, I haven't right. done it so far in my Tet Wars draft, like going with different builds and then looking back and seeing what you like and what you didn't like both at the beginning of the year when the draft's over and at the end of the year, like I, I, that part's fun. So now you've got this really nice group of five hitters to start off your team. And like you said, maybe you'll draft some more when it comes back to you. Um, if you're a little you're a little hitter heavy early maybe you'll be a little pitcher heavy in the middle rounds it's, it's a different build why not yeah exactly yeah exactly you know what uh i want to go through your tout team next week so we can do it in like Sounds good. full because i think we'd be glossing over it right now and 
I'm sure in its majesty, it deserves a full breakdown. So uh, let's, let's make sure we do that properly. Um, any other player notes, any other individual players you want to talk about before we sign off? Let's see if there's anyone who I think that we, uh, that we missed so far. Um, I don't think so. I think we had a pretty good. Yeah, I do too. A pretty good list so far today. Oh, I wanted to ask you the white Sox have said that they're going to open the season without a full-time closer. Are you still drafting Kendall Graveman? So I wasn't drafting Kendall Never Graveman. Drafting I've been drafting. I, well, I wouldn't say I've been. I did draft Reynaldo Lopez last night. Uh, and I prefer him to Graveman, Graveman skill-wise, I think, at this point in time. Uh, okay. And certainly cost-wise, I do, for sure. So I want I, I want to have Reynaldo, more Reynaldo Lopez. The fact that they're not naming one individual closer, eh. How many teams are like that right now? Whatever. That doesn't scare me. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Liam Hendricks, by the way, went in round 24 of our labor draft to Tim McLeod. I was not on him at round 24, but he was in the back of my mind if he had made it down to about round 27 or 28. Sure. Uh, why not? I, I think that's a totally, yeah. Now, and again, Fits your this, team's motif. Well, and this is an unlimited IR. So yep. <laughs> Just, like NFBC, I'm pretty, cause he's going to be gone for a while. NFBC, that's a lot to carry mm-hmm. and then hope he makes it back and that he's their closer right away and everything. That's a tough one, but these ones mm-hmm. with unlimited IR, like stick him in, like Tim can stick him in his IR slot, have an extra bench spot for the first couple of weeks of the season when he's trying to find guys off the wire. And then at some point Hendricks comes back and hopefully is an awesome story this summer. Yeah. We'll exactly. See. I hope yeah. we're all rooting for him. I mean, that Absolutely. would be, yeah, but Absolutely. uh, not rooting for him on my team. Uh, that that format is one where I would do it in FBC. I will not be uh, getting yeah. a lot of him, I don't think. Uh, hope I, I hope, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Yep. So, all right, that's going to wrap things up for uh, today's pod. Want to thank Underdog, want to thank Fantrax for their sponsorship. Thank you guys. I love the discussion that we had going on in the chat room there. I love the people joining in on the live stream. And of course, thanks to everybody listening on wherever you get your podcast later on, too. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back at you again next week. Tomorrow, we got James Anderson, of course. Uh, and I am uh, going to be uh, with a guest to be named later on Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.